Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, you dig live action with another episode. You know, I tell y'all every week, I'm going to come back. I'm going to be back, and I'm going to be back with a guest. And again, I've done it again. Like Drake said in his most recent freestyle with Heady One from the UK, again and again, again and again. You know what I'm saying? I'm back. And we're here with Mike Howard. Go ahead and introduce yourself, my brother. What's good, everybody? This is Mike, uh, GBE, Mike, um, also known as Mike Howard. I've worked in the video game industry for about 15 years, um, you know, curating soundtracks, helping send games out the door so you guys can play them. Uh, now I'm a producer, consultant, um, working with many artists. So we're about to get into it. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, so tell the people where you're from, where you grew up. Yeah, man. So I kind of have like a, an interesting story. Um, you know, I, I grew up sort of all over the, U, the U.S. Um, my dad was adopted by a Jewish family that uh, ran a record label um, called Electra Records. Um, so, you know, they had uh, a number of, of big name artists uh, under their, their roster. So it was really awesome to grow up and kind of have that sort of uh, music environment, always hearing different music, uh, being around, you know, you know, larger than life characters. Um, but so uh, New York uh, grew up a lot um, in that area as well. Um, but L.A. and um, uh, Redwood City is where I was born. So I spent some time, obviously, in SoCal. Um, and, and then we moved around a lot from there. The music industry is amazing, as we all know. Um, but, you know, also coming with the music, uh, the amazing music and um, everything else in the industry comes that lifestyle of partying and things of that nature. So, you know, there's a lot of addiction, a lot of things that run in that community. Uh, that's a part of how my family broke up. And from that point forward, um, moved around a lot with my mom. Uh, I went to 16 different elementary schools. So, you know, Jeez. always, yeah, I was always able to, you know, find somebody to make friends with. And it's probably why I like meeting a lot of new people now and just, you know, networking and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, um, many, many, many years later, settled up in Santa Rosa once I started living in the north of San Francisco. And uh, yeah, been there for a while and I'm still in the area now. So awesome. Awesome. So tell me about tell me about your first personal like like liking to music. So like when you first yeah. obviously you've been around music and you kind of just explained how you kind of um were were put in that that space but what's like the first song maybe the first artist or the first album that you remember really like hitting you in your soul and you were like oh i like this yeah so um this to me is a is a funny story um when i was growing up i was uh living with my mom for a certain amount of time we were with uh, her parents uh, my grandparents and um super catholic family you know uh didn't like rap music didn't like a number of things, the list goes on and on, right? So they kind of shielded me from a lot. Um, but uh, my cousin at the time, uh, you know, he was a teen and, you know, he was like listening to a bunch of new songs and uh, he left MTV on. And my grandmother was always like, do not leave the TV on before you leave the house. Uh, and, you know, I didn't go to school yet. The bus hadn't showed up yet. So I went and sat down in front of the TV, you know, cause I was like, hey, you know, I'll just wait until the bus gets here. And lo and behold, it was MTV. And the first music video that I saw was Buster Rhymes' uh, Woo Ha Got You All in Check. 
right? <laughs> and, and, and for me, I was like, bro, this is like a cartoon. Like, cause you know, he's like so crazy, like yeah, zany, sure. you know, like, yo, yo, he's, you know, he's going as, crazy. As well as his voice, yeah. Exactly. So as a kid, I was like, yo, what is this? Like, what is this, this sound? What is this look? Like, this is crazy. Every scene is like a, a scene from a Batman film or, you know what I'm saying? Some cartoon that's crazy. So I kind of fell in love with it from that point forward. And then um, the funny thing is, I left the house got on the school bus and the same song was on the the radio, right? Cause the song had just premiered. So I heard it again and I was like, yo, I don't know what this is, but I really mess with this. I really want to like figure this out. So um, I, it was kind of a slow journey, but um, you know, I, I took a liking to music. That was when I took it kind of serious. And then I wanted to like figure out more things as time went on producing, writing, things of that nature. I love it. I love it. And was your mother in the music industry or, or what exactly did your mom do? Yeah, so uh, my mom wasn't in the music industry. Um, that was more on my dad's side. Uh, my mom, you know, she was kind of one of those people that's um, like a realist. You know, she's very much so like, uh, you know, even now, you know, I tell her, you know, I'm a producer and I have done this and I want to do this. And she's like, you know, that's cool. But, you know, make sure you have like something real and stable because, you know, not everybody gets famous. And even though you might not ever be famous, you know, so my mom was just real, like, you know, just like realistic. Um, yeah. But she was in the military for a while. She um, fought over, um, I think she was in Korea for a little bit. She was in Germany. Um, so, you know, she's definitely um, a harder person um, when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, but I've always respected that, you know, um, she's went through a lot for us to even be where me and my sister are at now. And I tell her this to this day, you know, she's like, you know, I'm sorry about you know, moving a lot. And I'm like, mom, hey, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for everything we went through. So, you know, I always tell her I love her and I appreciate her just, you know, for everything that she did to get us to this point. So, yeah, appreciate Ooh. my mom. Shout out my mom. Hey, shout out to your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, so what was like the energy like growing up? Where it was it a super strict household? Was it super lenient, free? Like, were you, were you out and about, like, say, like, let's start at, like, 14 years old. Like, what was life yeah. like for 14-year-old Mike? Like, are you running around the city, or are yeah. you, like, staying at home, only able to watch certain TV channels? Like, what was that vibe like for you? Yeah, so, no, that's a great question. Um, at this point in time, I'm living with my dad. So, uh, with my dad, you know, he was very opposite of my mom. My dad's, like, you know, kind of a dreamer, big ideas, like, yo, you could do this, you could do that, anything's possible, you know, so um, I got a lot of that thinking from him, um, but, you know, he, again, with the addiction of things, that was still around, right. so, you know, there, there's times where he just wouldn't be home, you know, he'd be gone for, like, a week, a month at a time, so, you know, for me, I was like, well, I have a sister, you know, she's four years younger, uh, so for me, I was like, I gotta make sure she gets to school, I gotta make sure we got food to eat, I gotta make sure, you know, this and that and the other, um, you know, so there is some real stuff going on. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I was able to kind of like escape reality through video games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I spent a lot of time playing games, man. I'll tell you, like I played Counter-Strike for hours. I played uh, GTA for hours. Um, I played, there's these uh, music video games called Ampl uh, Amplitude and Frequency, I believe. Um, I played those for hours as well. Um, so, you know, I was a huge gamer, uh, mainly because it was fun and I was good at it. Right. I just loved hearing people kind of yell in my ear, like, yo, this and that and the other, you're trash, yada, yada, yada. Um, but really it was an escape from reality. So that's where I found my love for gaming. I love it. I love it. And, and so 
I am not calling you old, <laughs> but I know you are a little bit older than me. So tell me a little bit about what game systems and what games were popping when you were like 14 through 18. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm not ashamed to say I'm 33 years old today. Uh, so, Hey, I, I congratulations, played... bro. Hey, Thank a you, lot man. of us don't hey. make it to 33. And then and also, fast. you know, also on top of that, from what I've heard from my siblings, 30s is like, you know, being in your 20s, but like with a little bit more money and experience. So it's yeah. like, you know. And you, you're thinking different. You're like, man, you're investments, you're, you know, retirement. Right. Exactly. So, but I'll yeah, man. Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you, bro. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I think the first games that I remember actually was like Atari. Um, I was a baby, right? I was a baby. But I do remember having Atari, playing certain games on Atari. Um, we had Sega Genesis. Um, so I remember playing Sega Genesis. Yep, I had a Game Boy um, due to my grandparents every summer. I visited them eight summers in a row from California. Flew all the way by myself from California to New York to spend time with them. They would buy me a Game Boy. And I would always forget to bring the Game Boy every summer. So they would just get me a new one in all the newest games. Uh, so I had Game Boy, I had uh, 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 Nintendo. Uh, I never had Super Nintendo, but I had Sega CD, which my dad thought was Sega Saturn. So we were like, yo, we're, it's about to be lit. But we got Sega CD. So that was kind of, if you know the difference, that those who, who are listening to this, you, it's not the same at all. So um, <laughs> yeah, I had, had Sega CD. And then I think the big mind-blowing console for uh, me and probably a lot of people was that PlayStation right? That PlayStation was just crazy. So uh, once I got that, I think that's when my life kind of like, man, I want to, I want to figure out how I can be in gaming forever because this PlayStation is crazy. Stuff's 3D, like it was different. Yeah, I think like the earliest game, two games I remember playing, mind you, I'm like, a, I'm a 10 years younger than you. Okay. Um, but but uh, the first games I remember playing are on Nintendo, uh, what was the name? What was the 007 game? What was that called? Oh, Gold Royale Nine. or no. Goldeneye? No, Goldeneye, Goldeneye was crazy. Yeah. Yep. On N64. So, me yep. and my brother used to play that like crazy. Yep. And it's like, I know, <laughs> I just remember my dad used to like take our video game systems away. I don't know if they, he used to throw them in the trash or if they just disappeared. I don't know. But my brother would always, you know, uh, find a legal or illegal way yeah. of, uh, <laughs> or of getting the game system back in the house. And we used to play that game like crazy. So I remember yeah. that. Um, and then the, the, my brother definitely like stole a, a game boy and like brought me a game boy. And it was, a uh, he bought me a Jackie Chan game. There was a game okay. like, yep. that came out like yep. about Jackie Chan or something. I don't remember the name of it. And yep. I used to play that like crazy, just sitting there on the couch, you know, like upside yep. down yep. on the couch and just like playing that. So it's like, there's definitely a nostalgic vibe to like gaming and to, and to like video games. So let's say, um, let's say you're playing, the PlayStation just came out. Mm -hmm. What are some like memories outside of like specifically the game that were happening in that time of life? Like what was your school like? What was, uh, what were kids talking about at school? Like think about the play, or maybe they are talking about the PlayStation at school, but what was that era, that energy like, yeah. like? That's a great question. Yep. Yeah, so I have uh, I have one one powerful memory. Okay, one powerful memory. So this is when Metal Gear Solid first came out, right? Um, Metal Gear Solid just released. Uh, everyone was going nuts about it, right? Because uh, it was like the first like silent sneak video game that ever released. Um, it was top down view. 
you can kind of like move around and do whatever you wanted in it. You know, you had guns, this and that and the other. So it was like mind blowing game. Right. Um, but I had just beat the game, right. I got the game. We're talking about it at school. I'm helping kids kind of like beat the game and stuff, telling them how, how to's on certain areas, secrets and what have you. And, uh, my dad had a friend over. So I guess my dad's friend saw this case of CDs thinking that it was her case of music CDs. And they had just gotten to, you know, some dispute or some argument or something. I don't know. But uh, needless to say, we had like probably 100 games in there, all PlayStation games. And left and I'd never seen them. So I was like, I was like, no, because I had played all these games. You know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah. So they got so, so they got in like a little dispute. She was taking her like CDs, what she thought was her music yeah. away, and yeah. it was actually your big box of games, and they just disappeared, right. and you never saw them or her right. ever again. Ever again. That's nope. crazy. Yep. But she did leave her music, so I discovered like um, Three Six Mafia and like oh. a few other. Yeah, and Damn. I was like, yo, this is hard. This is dope. Mm-hmm. You know, like Scarface. Like I got into some real street stuff, so that's how I kind of like discovered that music. Um, a little bit more about Ice Cube. Um, at that time, he had that um, push rhymes like wait, you know what I mean? Like he had that song, so that, that was going crazy. Um, so th- there was it, it's sort of a bittersweet, you know, in that in that situation. So speaking of music, like our, if I'm thinking correctly, I could be wrong, but around like 16 year old you, 18 year old you, this is like when Jay Z starting to pop off, kind of crazy and become more big. This is around the time when 50 Cent comes out. Um, who are some artists you remember being like your graduate? Let's, I'm, I like giving timelines. So you like just graduated high school. Who are some artists that you remember being huge or a song or an album, or maybe it's an event. Maybe there was like, maybe somebody died. Like what are some big events in music that were happening like around the time you graduated high school? Okay. No, that's, that's actually dope. So around when I graduated high school, I was really getting into like, like real underground, like not, not super underground, but music that like, isn't super mainstream I'll just say that right so like Jay Dilla you know like I was listening to a lot of that uh his production um uh Slum Village you know I was getting more into um DJ Premier stuff I mean I listened to DJ Premier for much of my life uh grew up listening to Guru as well but I was listening much more on the production side um Pharrell um I was listening to um uh, Lupe Fiasco you know because I was kind of skateboarding a little bit you know so I was listening to a lot of like real hip-hop um, and just discovered it you know um, so that was to answer your question that's probably more of what I was listening to but I did you know I occasionally listen to the Chingies um, you know the 50 cents you know the Ja Rules you know that whole thing E40 because I was in the Bay Area um, you know we, we had a, a bunch of stuff Keek the Sneak you know obviously um, you know everybody's got their favorites when it comes to the Bay Area. But um, yeah, it was mainly hip hop, mainly hip hop, like real golden era style stuff. That's what I was listening to. Love it, I love it. It's funny that you brought up like uh, Lupe Fiasco because I remember after he like released that song, Kick, Push, Kick, Push, Ghost. Like first off, that vibe was crazy. But second off, it just reminds me how like hip hop kind of dominates like so many different cultures whenever it wants. Like I remember around that time, it was like I had never seen a black kid ever skate in my life. Like I really just never, I never saw it on TV in my neighborhood, nowhere. But as soon as that song dropped, and that's like 
Lupe hasn't been like the hugest artist in the world or anything, but when that song dropped, that was definitely everywhere. And I remember seeing like kids start to skate. I remember seeing kids start to like, um, or black kids specifically, like start mm -hmm. to skate, start to get into like, you know, some skater swag a little bit, but like still, you know, mixing it in with what was hip hop. And then you kind of saw like an influx of that in hip hop culture for that time period. And it's just funny how anytime something like pops off, like hip hop finds its way in there or hip hop had a, has something to do with it popping off and it just becomes a part of hip hop culture, which then like spreads, you know, worldwide. Exactly. Um, yep. Which is kind of like what's happening with gaming a little bit in my, and from my, from my point of view. Um, uh, but before we get there, before we get there, um, you finish high school, do you go to college? What, what, did, what, what was life after high school like? Yeah. So um, for me, you know, again, I, I, just because my upbringing was like so like chaotic uh, for me, um, I had at this point in time in high school, you know, applied for a job, summertime hits, right? You go on your senior trip, everybody's happy. We graduated high school. It's like, man, okay. You know, I've been thinking about college, but I'm like, do I want to go to college? You know, I thought about the junior college, which was local. Um, a funny story. I actually wanted to be a stunt car driver because uh, I wow. kind of like yeah I really like you know Fast and the Furious had dropped Need for Speed I was playing a lot of that so I was like man I want to be a stunt car driver because I can do all this stuff in cars and and you know it'd be amazing right it'd be great um, then I looked at like, how much the classes cost to learn how to um, race right because we have a raceway very um, close to our to my house I was like okay that's a lot you know then I started looking at um, doing my research I like to always do research on uh, what these occupations are and what these people go through to get there and and how their life is once they make it and like the a lot of these stunt car drivers are talking about breaking 300 bones or something you know just some crazy I mean not 300 but it's some crazy amount and I'm like you know what I think I'm gonna skip this you know so uh, I actually just randomly saw this ad in the paper that was like hey we're looking for quality assurance uh, testers for a video game company they didn't say what company it was but I just applied online and I ended up getting a call back like within the week and they're like, Hey man, we want to bring you in for an interview. Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I still didn't know much about what was going on, but I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Didn't think it was going anywhere. My dad's not thinking it's going nowhere. He's like, this is a dream. It's, it's fake. Like, you know, let's look for a real thing. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So I uh, went to the interview and basically they sat me down in front of this uh, computer screen uh, with an Xbox 360 or no, I'm sorry original Xbox because it was just before the 360 dropped and they're like all right what we want you to do Mike is we want you to play this game and then uh, just play it for one minute and then you know once the minute's done tell us all the issues you found that that was it that's all they said I was like okay cool whatever so I played for the minute and then they came back they're like all right uh, write down a list on this computer of all the things you found and yeah, it was like, you know, this was NBA 2K. I'm not, I, at this time, I'm not a huge sports guy. You know, I don't play a lot of sports games. My dad loved playing them, always kicked my butt in them. So I hated playing them. Uh, he beat me by 30, 40, 50 points, right? So he's walking off the court like uh, Jamal Murray was last night. Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm walking off the court like that because I'm taking L's every day. So um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really into sports, but I played it. And uh, yeah, you know, I gave him the issues. It was like every player looked like Kobe Bryant untextured players the songs were cutting in and out you know things like that so um they realized i had a really good eye for detail and i could find much of the issues that were in front of me and i named a few things that weren't so obvious to find so they're like you know what you have a good eye for this we want to hire you and, th and that's how i became a tester uh for nba 2k 
So I did that for about three years. Yeah. And um, I had just had my son too, at that time too. So I was like, bro, oh, sick. I got, I got to figure this out. You know, I got to, I got to yeah, find something, you know? Of course. That's crazy. Honestly, that's yeah. the first part of the, like the craziest thing about that story in my head, it might just be because I'm a young buck is when you said, uh, <laughs> when you said you found a random post in the newspaper ad and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Newspaper. I was like, a newspaper ad (laughs) (laughs) yeah really exactly exactly (laughs) no that's lit though um see like one thing that's crazy about this world that i always like talk about is like well in terms of like jobs is there's so many jobs that people aren't aware of and it's just crazy like never in my life would i think you know because similar thing i didn't get a job in this but similar thing i saw like a, a posting and like met a friend that was uh doing that for like exercise equipment Mm -hmm. literally like they would just like do quality tests on like treadmills on on uh weightlifting machines and like that's what they did all day is essentially work out and then they like the other half of the day they'd go and like write reports on like what was issued and like send them in and and i was like yo what that's a job like that's crazy that's sick like that's dope so to hear that you know you found that at a young age and it was like you know something random you ended up getting it you know, super lit, but talk a little bit about your first three years doing that. Like, what did that um, experience teach you? What did that like, did that help you develop a deeper love for video games? Or did that make you feel a little separate? Cause now you're working in it and you're having to like, you know, dedicate time and energy to something instead of just playing it and like being entertained. You're like, what, like, how did that affect your, your journey yeah. overall when it comes to gaming? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, I, I'm sure and not to say that I'm an NBA player at all by any stretch, but, um, you know, it's probably similar to how athletes uh, realize real quickly that when you're in the NBA or NFL or MLS or whatever sport that you play in, that this is, this is like, it's a hobby. That's why you're here. And that's, what's keeping you going. But this is a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, for me real quickly, especially in sports games, right? Like, um, you so say I, I I load up the game and I find out that everybody on the court looks like Kobe Bryant, right? That's a clear issue. So then what happens is I put that issue in the database. The developers say, okay, hey, this this issue's fixed in the next version of the game. So then we download that next version of the game two days later, and then I gotta find that I gotta look for that issue again. So I gotta load up the same two teams in the same court. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're doing that with like 200 uh, what we call bugs. Those are the issues do 200 bugs sometimes a day so you're having to go and put in this database a bunch of issues a day and then two three days later find these or or look for these two three hundred issues again to see if they're still there so yeah real quickly you get kind of like okay this is this is not as fun as i thought i was going to be um but because i'm so obsessed about detail and so obsessed about finding issues that like it kind of that like left me, you know, that it was, it was a job. I still had fun doing it because I really liked being able to say, I found something that was like the most difficult bug to find, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is only one out of a, they would say one out of a 10 issue, meaning that it happens very, very rarely, but like only I know the right way to find this issue. You know what I'm saying? And you got to keep doing it the specific way, like out of 10 times it'll happen once the game will, will crash, it'll freeze up. So that's kind of what, what I was taking pride on was finding those issues. Um, and then over time, so I did that for about three years. 
I started learning, again, this is MBA specifically, but I worked on other things too. Uh, in MBA, I started finding uh, things like, hey, Kobe Bryant has a, a better field goal percentage than that in, uh, you know, 10 feet from the basket. You know, you're saying he's only shooting 20%. I think he's shooting 30% right now, 35%. You know, I think we should up his success rating in that area. So then I started finding those type of issues. And that's when they're like, yo, this guy's different, you know, because he's actually seeing the sport now. That's what I, that's what I really started noticing was basketball more. Gotcha. Yeah. That's yeah. lit. So tell me a little bit of like, cause the work is tedious. The work is super yeah. tedious. And yeah. so how much do you think that play like played a role in people staying or leaving once they got into the gaming industry? Cause um, I, I imagine that everyone that's obsessed with gaming or obsessed or passionate about any specific thing, but then gets into the industry and sees that, oh, wow, this is really tedious. This isn't completely only playing games. Like this has a lot of other, um, you know, things that are involved with this. How, how, how big, how much did you see people quit, leave, uh, give up? Like, like talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, one of the things, again, once you get into, again, whatever field it is that might look fun from the outside in. Um, and we'll get into the music producer life later, but uh, very similar to that, right? You, you, you really realize quickly that uh, it looks fun, it looks glamorous, but then when you get in it, you're like, dang, I gotta do what? I gotta put in 300 separate issues a day and then check them all again tomorrow? Like you're tripping, right? Right, so, you're bugging out, yo. Yeah, yo, li literally. So dudes were coming in left and right. You know, you, you would have guys coming in saying, Oh, I hooped with LeBron and I did this and yada, yada, yada. I came out of college, yada, you know, and they're talking all this stuff. Like they know the sport, but then when they realize how much work it takes to be successful at this job for this company, uh, they were like, you know what? They would just disappear. They're like, I'm out. Some, most people wouldn't even say they're out. They would just not show up again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of have like a funny like list of people who that would be because we're just like, oh, we really thought that person would stick around and they just bounce, you know? Um, and then also quality assurance in the area that we were in, it was like a, it was like a brotherhood, you know? So the guys who were there long for an extended period of time, um, we all hung out, we played games together. We would go and eat lunch together. We, we, we'd hoop, we do all types of stuff. So, um, you know, it kind of probably felt overwhelming at first for some people too, because they're like, man, there's a, such a tight knit group of people here but that's because we were the ones who stayed, right? When everybody right. else left, we all stayed. And it was like, we were in the trenches day in and day out trying to make this game the best game possible. Uh, and, and so we just had a really like tight bond. Understandable. So just create like a little um, image in people's heads of like, what, what does like visually, what does like walking into a day at work uh, at, you know, for NBA 2K, like what in, in your specific position what does that look like are you working from home are you on yeah. desktop computers and cubicles or what's what's like just just real quickly it doesn't have to be deep but just uh create a visual image for individuals like for those three years you were walking into work what did that look like yeah yeah so uh as a tester um when i was doing that job basically i would uh you know drive to work right um i was blessed enough to make enough money buy a car because again i just got out of high school didn't have much so I uh, blessed enough to get a car. Um, I drove, I would drive to work, get in the office, right? We had this, you know, machine, we got a clock in. Uh, so, you know, there's a bunch of banter there. We're probably talking about sports, probably talking about, you know, 
the newest racing games or whatever, right? We all played games at the end of the day. So we were always talking about something. Um, and then, uh, then we would go and have to get uh, the, a build, which is what, what the version of the game would be called. They'd be like, all right, we got to get our builds and then we got to go get a controller. And then we go sit down at a station and then we would get to work and essentially load up the game. You know, uh, let's just say we're on the original Xbox at this point in time load up the game uh and then we get we get the uh make sure the vcr is rewound right because we at this time we didn't have all this you know what we got obs now and all this other stuff right didn't have that then so uh load the vcr up rewind it make sure the tape was clean and good to go and then just hit record and just start playing uh so you would just do that until you find issues and then when you find an issue um you make sure you got the tape um, you numbered the tape and the time and then you go to this uh database of where you put in the issues make a report that report would get sent straight to the developers via email and then the video would be archived. So if the um, developer did need to see the issue, that tape was accessible and then you just get right back to it. You just, just keep on going. Crazy. That's crazy to just yep. think about like the games we play at home, like people often forget have such an intricate, you know, development yep. process behind. And there's so many people behind the scenes that are putting in lots of hours, you know, you know, sweat and tears, literally. Um, and and uh, just to create the game that turns out to be amazing, that turns out to become our lives, you know, for some yep. of us. Yep. Yep. Um, so talk about um, transitioning, like on, on past those few years that you were doing that quality assurance, what was like the next position you worked in, in regards to the gaming industry? Did you switch companies? Are you working for the same company or are you doing the same job? Talk about uh, your transition out of quality assurance and where you went from there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is, again, is, you know, as most people's lives, uh, interesting transition. Um, the company had moved to LA and to China, uh, the, the quality assurance part of the business. Um, and now they're also in Vegas, I believe. Um, but, uh, at this time they're like, Hey, we have some stuff open at the HQ. Um, cause we weren't the quality assurance team was not a part of the company's, um, headquarters. We had our own separate facility. Yeah. So, uh, at this time they're like, Hey, there's some spots that are available at the headquarters and we're looking to fill those spots with, um, uh, people who understand the game well, and uh, who are willing to learn, um, if not already understand video editing, willing to learn video editing uh, and things of that nature. So I was like, hey, you know, sure, I'll do it, you know, because I'm always one of those people that's like, I I'm willing to take on a new challenge and learn more. So I said, yeah, let let's do it. And um, I ended up going and applying for it. And it was there wasn't a lot of people who applied for it, which was great, um, but it was kind of interesting at the time. Um, because all, all we had to do essentially was play the game really well and record certain camera angles of us playing the game. And then that footage would be compiled into what's known as a trailer. So uh, I was basically the one, you know, like YouTubers, right? They go and get all this footage, they make a video out of it. So that's kind of what we were doing um, at a very early stage. Um, but we, would, we were just the capture specialists. So we'd capture the, the footage using crazy camera angles, send that to the editor, and then the editor would chop that up. And then that's how we got those crazy NBA 2K trailers or uh, NHL, MLB, uh, Top Spin. I was working on all the trailers for those games. Wow. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. And, this so I, is, yeah. and you said like kind of similar to li like live streaming for streamers. This is pre-popularity like, pre of live streaming, correct? Yeah. Yeah, this is like, you know, people are still, this is what, 09, I think, around that time, 09 to 
2010. So people are, they, they're, they're, it's there, but I mean, we're still working off of like beta max SP. Like there's still like tapes that we're dealing with to send the tapes of footage that, that we capture of a game to an MLB stadium that hasn't updated to like digital yet, you know? So this was still that like transition era for a lot of companies. Um, but yeah, we were, you know, working on, um, uh, you know, after effects, uh, we were working on Final Cut. We had all that stuff for ourselves. But yeah, a lot of the companies we we're working with in, in, in sports teams did not. So uh, yeah, that did that for about four or five years. Um, Got you. That's sick. Uh, what, cool question. What's the, the uh, how much does the actual league, I don't know if this is a question you can answer, but I thought I'd ask anyways. Uh, how much does an actual, like the NBA, NFL, or not NFL, but NBA, NHL, um how much do these um organizations like these leagues have to do with the game itself you get what i'm saying how much how much work do they like how much collaboration happens between them and the gaming company Mm -hmm. so uh, how it works is if you want to create something like say you want to make your own video game right and it's got steph curry in it it's got lebron james it's got chris paul what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to make a deal, a licensing deal with the NBA and the players association. So you're going to have to go and negotiate these deals in order to even use the NBA's teams and marks and likeness, as well as the players uh, and using their names and likeness. So to answer your question, they have a very heavy influence, but the, but uh, with that being said, they're not like in the weeds of things all the time, you know? So, Um, you know, it was really cool because we got to be as creative as we wanted to, but I mean, just like, you know, if you had a brand and you were a pretty like family friendly brand, you know, you don't want somebody to be throwing in like drug use in, in your products, you know, right. or, you know what I'm saying? Murder or th- things like that. So they're very cautious of that, which I, th- I would agree. I, I, if, you know, with my own brand, I would do the same thing if I licensed it to somebody else. So, um, they were very careful about that, but otherwise they're just like, Hey, just make amazing stuff, make amazing videos, you know, make the NBA the coolest thing ever. Uh, same with MLB, NHL and all that. So they're, they're great to work with. Amazing. And that kind of makes me think like, I bet you, I bet you there was like around what you just said, like, you know, just being careful of like, you know, what's in the game that's representing your brand, representing your organization. Um, I bet you when they started to implement into NBA 2K, like the, uh, interaction you know like my player where you can play like street ball with other people where they have like like they have moments where they talk to each other like you know the little uh, where you can like skip or yep. whatever like skip this scene or or skit um i bet you like that was like a, a moment where they were like i right, bro what are, what are they saying what are they not saying we don't want them to say that <laughs> right, right right um I always used to like wish in my life, like, I don't know why I'm not even an aggressive individual, but I always used to be like, man, I wish I could fight on NBA 2K. Like yeah, when, yeah. when somebody fouls you hard, turn around and just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's lit. That's yeah. Lit. And, and, and just to expound on that, what's funny is when I was a tester, those are the things, those are the bugs we'd put in every year. Somebody, and usually it was the same guy. Cause you have to put your name on the bug report. But usually the same person would bug every single year, uh, unlock fight mode for NBA, right? <laughs> unlock fight mode for NBA. But, you know, once I got to the marketing side of the business, then there, you know, I had a conversation with them as a joke, but they would say, no, we don't want to highlight that because of, you know, specific events that have occurred who, ha- you know, which have changed the people's lives on the receiving end of these fights. 
you know, so they want to like, not necessarily forget about it. I mean, they do, but they also just don't want to sort of show the brand off in, in the times when it was a dark time, you know? Right, right. Real life, real life, real life. Yeah. And, and so you just spoke on, uh, you know, when you got to get a little bit of a insight into the marketing side of, uh, of the business, was that because of a new position or was that just access to new employee coworkers that you met and had conversations with? Yes. Uh, no, that's a great question. So uh, I was on video editing, right? And um, I'd been here for a while, years at this point. And, um, you know, I got to a point where, you know, I started having good ideas for the game that I felt like I would share with the developers. And they were like, yo, this is a dope idea. There's there, a dope idea. You know, you should check out marketing. You should talk to the marketing guys, you know? And uh, so an opportunity came up because I, you know, I wanted to be a video game producer. And an opportunity came up to where I was like, hey, let me apply for this producer role. And it was for uh, the game Evolve. I don't know if you got to check that one out, um, but it was for that project. And um, it was great because I was like, I, I, you know, I got to check something else out. I got to get closer to the position I, I thought I wanted to be in. And uh, then I got an email and a call and an office sit down with somebody from the NBA team. And they're like, yo, we need you to come back to the team because, you know, you're no longer making the NBA edits for us. And, you know, you're very strong in that field. We, we need that quality back. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll come back. But they're like, in this time though, you're not going to be on the video team. You're going to be on the marketing team. So that's kind of how that transitioned. And then I was just kind of like, Hey, I want to work on this and this and this now, you know, like I, I want to do more than just video editing. I want to learn the business. I want to learn marketing. I want to learn all these things. And they're like, let's do it. You know? So um, it was an amazing opportunity, um, you know, to, to kind of jump from the video editing side to another game for like four months and then jump to back to sports. But this time it was like the, the release for PS4. So I got to experience that, the new console coming out, uh, showing the game off in front of thousands of people, 5,000, 10,000 GameStop employees, things like that. So um, I got to experience a lot of different things in marketing, which um, was, again, a blessing. And I appreciate it to this day. Yeah, if you could give like one solid memory or experience or event or rollout that really stood out to you um, when you were working on the marketing side, um, what would that be? Um, let's see. So I, I think this was for 2K16, I think at this point in time, right? So uh, at this point in time, the soundtrack was, you know, one of those things that was a, I don't want to say an afterthought, but uh, many of the team members were not necessarily the most musically inclined when it came to current uh, pop music, right? Uh, so, you know, many of the guys who were on the team were really into like, you know, um, music from the 80s and the 90s and things like that, which is dope. But at this, you know, 2016, it's like, you know, we're starting to hear about different people now, you know, like we're just the music landscape is so much different. So they, they're like, yo, Mike, um, you know, you're showing interest in music. You're talking to us about music and getting this included into everything. Why don't you handle a soundtrack? And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, so I immediately was like, you know, told, come up with a strategy, come up with an idea. You know, what are we going to do? Right. Because now that you own something on this big product that is being sold to millions of people. Now you're held accountable, right? So you got to come up with a strategy. You got to come out with the rollout. You got to come out with all these things. So I had to, I went home that night and I swear I was probably up till three or four a.m. thinking of like what are the coolest games I played with the coolest soundtracks? Who did it right? Who didn't do it right? Uh, and I really liked how GTA did the radio stations. So I was like, hey, 
let's yes. do something similar to that, to where we have three or four different channels so people can get a variety. They're always complaining about uh, having this large amount of songs and there's no variety. So I'm like, let's work with multiple curators who can give us their own flavor, their own ear to each of their playlists. Um, so they're like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Go for it. Right. And, uh, so immediately I'm like thrown into this deep ocean of, well, how do I get a hold of, you know, DJ snake? How do I get a hold of DJ mustard? How do I get a hold of DJ premier? Right. So Twitter, you know, I was on Twitter. I was on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, like email. You know, I was, I was doing everything possible to see how I can get in front of these guys. Uh, and whoever replied is basically, um, you know, who got, a phone call from us to talk to about getting involved in the soundtrack. Um, so to get to what you're asking, um, talk to DJ Khaled. And that was cool uh, because he literally, uh, I think this was NBA All-Star that upcoming year. Uh, he was one of the curators, but it wasn't announced yet. He literally was like, yo, Mike, uh, meet me at this address. We were in New York. And it ended up being this ping pong place called um, uh, Club Spin or something like that. It's like a, it's like a really like a, the Fast and Furious of, of table tennis. And, uh, you know, they got, that yeah, they got, dope. yeah, they got girls walking around, you know, they got the, you know, the lights and all that stuff. It was crazy. Right. I was like, yo, this is lit. And so, but Khaled had his own table, like his own table. I think Bieber was there playing against Action Bronson. Like it was, <laughs> it, was, it was going nuts, right? He's like, he's like, that's Yo, just Mike. a funny setup right there, my right? Bad. Right? No, no, you're good. And at first, I thought it was just going to be like a lot of these guys. I just sit down with his manager or his guy in the corner somewhere, you know, in the dark corner, and we're talking business. And then, you know, I kind of hang out, eat some food, drink some water, and then bounce, right? Uh, and, and, and no, Khaled himself was like, "Yo, Mike, yo, what's good, man?" I dap him up, you know. I'm kind of starstruck, right? Because this is one of the first big music guys that I meet and he's like yo come sit down with me right here and I'm like like right here he's like right here and so we're it's me and him watching Bieber and Action Bronson I could probably dig up a photo and post it later but watching them play table tennis and we're he's telling me like yo NBA 2K16 soundtrack man it's gonna be crazy man I'm telling you man it's gonna go crazy and I'm like, wow, he really talks like that. Like he really, like, it's real. Like he really is like that. But yo, that to me changed my life because I felt like he saw me as a business person, you know, I, not as a fan, not as like a regular dude, but he saw me as a business person. And I saw just kind of like how he's still a big kid. You know, he really loves video games. He loved that game and he really wanted to do a good job. So it like, it showed me like, hey, dude, like, we can really make something dope here. Like, let's put all the starstruckness away and let's, like, get to work, you know? So that was cool. That changed my life. That really changed my life right there. So, Absolutely. And I think... Uh, ooh, my bad. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I think that uh, it's important to, like, just state there that, you know, I say this in like a lot of my podcasts and it's just stack the deck in your favor, you know, yeah. stack the deck in your favor. I think uh, one thing you said is, you know, it, you realize that he looked at you as a businessman, but it's also well-deserved, you know, it, it's, 
it's eight, nine years, you know, working in the industry. It's eight, nine years of speaking, uh, being able to see different parts of the business. It's eight, nine years of not giving up when things got tough. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you really pay attention to the business of gaming, a lot of you guys that listen know that it's a tough industry to be in, um, in terms of, you know, a lot of different things. So, um, so yeah, so, so and, you stay- and also you got to think about the color thing too, right? It's like Absolutely. how many minorities are in gaming. It's, it's, it's literally, I was just reading a fact yesterday and was talking about um, how like uh, a lot women along with men are like the, 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 or black men, um, my bad, minority folks um, and, 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 and women are like the lowest like represented in the gaming industry and how big of that it, uh, issue of sexual harassment is, but also like we just mentioned, um, the lack of representation of, of, of black and brown people. Um, so, so yeah, you staying and sticking into that and, and, and I know how it feels to like be in a, in a workspace or just in a space in general and be the least represented person in there is like, you can say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is. They definitely like, obviously we can live life, be happy, have fun, make friends, but there's something about being the only person in a space and, and the, the feeling of not being really understood completely. Uh, or maybe your values respected and so anyways but aside from that like you stayed in there and you and you put in work and if you stack the deck in your favor when opportunities come to sit down with individuals who who are are major players in in any industry um you want to make sure you know what you're talking about and you want to make sure you can do the best job you can because if you come in unprepared just because you got thrown in there you know it's like What's the point? So I just yeah. wanted to I just wanted to state that it's important I to stack the deck in your favor and put in that and put in that work, that groundwork, because when that opportunity comes or when you get the opportunity to do a big thing like launching a new, you know, more more attention on soundtracks for a, a huge game that runs across the world, like you need to make sure you're prepared for that. You can't just be like, Oh yeah, cool, I got right. an opportunity. Let me just let me just let throw me the shit. Just see, yeah. Like, nah, yeah. I'll put in the work, I'm ready for this shit. I'm going all in, you know what I'm saying? So I respect that. And just to add, you know, I think the biggest, uh, you know, so say we fast forward, right? It's the, the game's about to come out, but we're going to announce the soundtrack, right? Over the summertime, there's a lot of announcements for 2K as you're seeing for 2K21, which I think uh, drops this week at the end of the week. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, what what you'll see real quickly is you'll see all the fans get on Twitter as soon as that, you know, soundtrack is dropped or they'll get on IG or they'll get on Facebook or wherever they got a voice, they'll get on it and they'll start bashing everything if it's not good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it, to them, if it's not good, right? Because it's all subjective at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, you'll learn very quickly, okay, I made a mistake on this. I made a mistake on that, right? So uh, every anytime a soundtrack was getting announced, I wasn't sleeping, man. I, I just, my nerves are going nuts and I, you know, other leaks are there you know who who's saying what about it this artist and did this artist get into trouble and you know there's always something right so you know because if an artist did something crazy we got to take them off the soundtrack when i when i was there so yeah it, it, it was uh it was very um uh great learning experience i'll say that about myself i got to learn what i can handle under pressure uh and and scrutiny absolutely absolutely well first off that's super dope you know, that you got to work on that project. I don't know how you feel about it because I know you were in the trenches having to do it. But but um, but from an outsider looking in, you know, growing up 
and like listening to those soundtracks and like singing the songs I didn't know, like on the school bus on the way to school because I just played the game or like, you know, skipping class so I can go home and, you know, catch up on the game and like enjoying the enjoying different beats and not enjoying different, you know what I'm saying? Like so yes, so sir. so yeah. it's cool to see from the outside looking in. Um, but in regards to working on the soundtracks, how long did you do that from from what year to what year? And, um, you know, when, when did you when did you stop doing that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that was the first one I worked on, which was uh, the first soundtrack I worked on for NBA 2K was uh, NBA 2K16. That's when I officially worked on it. I helped on uh, 2K15. Uh, I believe that was the one with Pharrell and, and KD. Um, so I kind of helped with that. Like I had to pick all the songs. I didn't have to, but I helped because I wanted to make sure it was good. Uh, picked all the songs with Pharrell. Um, and, uh, it's also a funny story. I think he put it in a video somewhere as well in an interview, but he said, um, uh, for the soundtrack, he just told his intern to pick whatever was on his iPad or uh, iPod and pick and send that to 2k. So, uh, I saw the soundtrack and I was like, uh, none of these songs are his. They're, they're all like songs he sampled and stuff, which is cool, but only producers or music nerds would get that, you know? So I was like, kids wouldn't get that. So, uh, but yeah, so fast forward, uh, 2k 16, to uh 2k20 that's that 2k20 was the last one that i like had total oversight and helped pick music for worked with artists to get songs early uh things like that so yeah see and um it's funny because i like i wrote all these questions down and i don't know if you know or like have been paying attention but any of the questions i wrote down i haven't asked a single one oh, <laughs> like, it's all good it's all good <laughs> No, nah, but uh, it's just, you know, you have an interesting life. We've been flowing with the conversation, so it's dope. Um, so there's, like, so many different questions I have right now. I got to choose one, like, in my head. So, um, yeah, so in regards to the curators, like, um, each year, did, did that change how you guys approached curators or who you approached? Like, was it first year only DJs or was it, like, we're approaching everyone? Was it, like, second year, okay, we're approaching specifically artists that are new or like did, was was the curators you chose like how did that work yeah, out in the no, head how'd you guys yeah. decide who you were going to approach yeah no that, that's a great question um at the first year it was just we want to do something new uh we want to do something that's going to grab somebody's attention uh, we want to do something that is different for the brand um you know and and, and it's going to make noise on the internet you know low-key it's going to like be viral it's going to go viral you know so um, that, you know, strategy of having the radio stations and then who we worked with, the reason why it was uh, Mustard and it was uh, Premier and Khaled was because they were all the different uh, evolutions of music, right? Yeah. For me, I was like, I liked Khaled because he, he's created a bunch of hits. He's still doing it, right? And back then people were like, Khaled, Khaled, why are you picking Khaled? And I'm like, he's made songs with all the legendary artists. Does he not deserve that credit? You know what I'm saying? So to me, I felt like he was hot in the early 2000s to, you know, what, 2010, you know, 2015, he was creating hits. Uh, Premier, obviously he's got the whole golden, golden era hip hop uh, with Nas and anybody you can think of, he's worked with them, right? And made, and made legendary music. Um, and then Mustard, because at that time he was like the new young kid off the street. Like, yo, I'm making all the hits right now. Uh, so that was a strategy coming out of that. Um, and, and yeah, just to expound more on that. Yes, there is more strategy uh, as the years went on because it was like, cool, we did it for 2K16, but now what, 
like 2K17, what can we do different? You know, 2K18, what can we do different? So one of the years um, uh, I started really doing research, like literally the game's out for 2K16 and then that summer uh, is starting, right? So we're already working on the next game at that time when I was there. And basically I'm like, what can we do different? And we talked about getting like a female artists involved and things of that nature. So um, I was looking at a bunch of different people uh, as far as, you know, who's a great writer, who's a good producer, who's a good um, all around artist, indie artist, things like that. I started really respecting what people did uh, more than just being a performer. Um, so, you know, that's why Grimes came about, you know, because Grimes to me is an artist that's, you know, she's writing her own songs. She's mixing her own songs. She's creating the art. She's performing it by herself, right? She's her own DJ. Like she's just nuts, right? She, in a good way. She's just like super talented and a genius. And I get why Elon Musk was like, let's have a baby because we're having a super genius baby, right. right? So, you know, to me back then, I was like, she's crazy in a great way. And I want to like highlight this person, you know? So that's why I worked with her. Um, and, you know, Noah Forty, for obvious reasons, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of what he does in the R&B world. Um, I think he has a very specific sound and, and what him and Drake have done has, will go down in, in history books, you know, and music. Um, I think they've created classics upon classics. So I, I just wanted to be, you know, I wanted to let him know, like, yo, I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of your work. Like, I, I really respect what you're doing. So that's why that came about. And each of the other curators are all very similar. You know, there's something to where I was like, Imagine Drax has been on the soundtrack every year, just about. So I was like, why don't we just make them a curator? Because like, they're always on the soundtrack. Uh, Santa Gold was another one. She wasn't a curator, but she was always on the soundtrack. So we had this ongoing joke of like, maybe we should just make her a, a curator because she's always on it, you know? But uh, yeah, I mean, there's always uh, some sort of story to where I'm tied to the curator somehow. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the list goes on, man. I got to meet a lot of great people, a lot of talented people. Um, yeah, and it was amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, Ooh, we've been having a good conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've been sure. listening, thank you. If you have been tuned in the entire episode, thank you. Thank you. Um, and if you're still listening right now, but you want to take a break, break, that's fine. Pause it. Come back later this week. Um, share it with a friend. Let them catch up to where you're at so y'all can talk about it together. Um, and most importantly, just go go follow my guy Mike Howard. <laughs> so, but um, at GVE Mike, hit me yes. on IG at GVE Mike. Yes, and technically we're running short on time, but I'm gonna run over time, and we're gonna ask a few more questions if you're let's good with it. that. Yeah, let's get it, man. We can do blessings. a part two, however. Blessings, blessings. Um, so I want you to tell me a little bit about your production life when you started producing. Um, the specific question I have for you is when did you make your first beat and do you remember what happened to that beat? Yeah. So, um, that, you know, again, funny story. Uh, I was playing, I think it was like frequency. I think it was frequency. I forget. It was one of those music games, frequency or amplitude. I forget which one, but it had the jungle brothers in it. And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, messing with, uh, like EDM kind of like, uh, the, the DJ world where, you know, they're doing the scratch contests and, all these different sounds and in these uh music games you can make your own beats you can make your own uh music and so that was kind of like my daw back then you know like i would just go into amplitude frequency and go into just like free creation worlds mode and i would just be making beats off of the 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 game and i don't know if you played it but you're basically on this tunnel 
and you basically have to, it turns and in the line that's coming up to the user, you have to press like X on the right timing in order to hit that note or to hit that uh, pr production sound. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how I learned um, uh, how to make beats. And then my dad used like really old tech, uh, like, it, you know, the ASR 10, which is a sampler. Uh, he used Cakewalk for Pro. So my dad was also a musician. He had guitars and all types of things. So I was always around it, you know, but that was like the first beat I made was in one of those video games, which is funny. Uh, that beat's gone, yeah, because it was saved on a PlayStation memory card. That thing has been gone. Uh, and I was mad, too, because I lost a memory card. Um, but, uh, yeah, fast forward. So 2019, uh, I decided, I'm like, hey, I want to, you know, make that leap into music. And that's about when I was like, all right, I'm going to go work for myself. So, you know, I decided to start my um, own LLC, start my own company, um, and just do music production and help, um, you know, artists market their music and sort of guide them in that process of like, how does music licensing work? How does sync licensing work? How do I get synced onto, you know, video games, music, and TV? Like, how, how do I, you know, because there's no clear direction if you go Google it right now. They'll tell you, oh, yeah, just go do this. But then it's like, it's really difficult to have your stuff heard and found. So um, that's, that's what I do on the consulting side. But music production, yeah, I, I produce for, like, Dribble Too Much. Um, I've worked with uh, Eric Bellinger. Yeah, Ali, um, and I'm, I'm working with more right now um, as we speak. So, yeah, man, uh, that was that's my passion. Um, I really enjoy the production, and now I'm starting to get into songwriting as well. So sick, sick. And yeah. I think one thing you, that that you reminded me of right there is just how cool it is to see like different individuals and industries like cross paths and like like cross pollinate. So like we see you and how your music. Uh, experience growing up and being exposed to you know your father's business and then being exposed to um, gaming and your escape and how you combine those two and how you ended up in that field like eventually after like eight years at 2k ending up like working on the producing side and soundtracking side and then how um, you know how that helps artists out in the music industry by getting you know like you were mentioning sync licensing or just licensing on these games and then how we're starting to see um, the the gaming industry and hip-hop and like these these different artists starting to live stream and starting to um you know make money that way and then like you were just mentioning right there just integrating the two of like your experience in regards to consulting and then also producing and then when it comes to individuals like you know crossing over like dribble too much uh, for the majority of you guys who know this individual great basketball player but great trainer, like becomes became like popping on IG because of his great training and great cool ass videos. But then decided decided to you know tap into music, mix that with his health and basketball journey. And it's just like so crazy how everything can integrate if you find a way to to integrate it. Um, so talk a little bit about you know how or actually let me ask you let me ask you this question. So um because i want to stay on on your your music journey before we jump into the these business-like questions but uh what producers songwriters um just music individuals overall do you consider like a primary inspiration yeah man so i would say when i started learning about when i was like all right what's the first piece of music equipment that i want to like what do i want to buy like what do i want to invest in right uh, at this point in time this was probably uh, 2012. 
And so the MPC was still like the thing to have, but you know, the machine, the native instruments machine, which was that the other guys that were just coming out was like kind of piquing my interest because it seemed more in, in the tech world, right? Like you're downloading uh, sound packs, you're updating the software in the machine hardware. Like it was very tech, which I was comfortable with coming from the gaming industry. So the MPC was, was cool because I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta have one of those in order to be a producer, right? That's what we thought growing up uh, at this time. So I decided to, to purchase the, the machine, you know, because I just felt more uh, like this was, I felt like this was the future, that everything's gonna go digital, everything's gonna be downloadable. I felt like this made more sense. So uh, at that time, uh, like Metro Boomin, right? Metro Boomin was the guy, you know? So Southside, uh, um, uh, who's Lex Luger, right? He, these, these are the guys that like, I was like, yo, these are the producers. Because at that time when they were coming up, there, the YouTube was also there. So they were putting videos of them making beats on YouTube or somebody was recording footage, shaky cam, you know, on their phone of them making beats and chilling and talking all types of stuff, right? So I was like, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. Like, how, what do I need to get? Free loops? Okay, cool. You know, this and that and the other. So at that time, it was, you know, the, the more Southern uh, producers. So again, Metro Boomin, uh, Lex Luger for sure. Um, but then I started, you know, discovering the Zaytovens and, and I started figuring out the, the guys who've been around for a while who have been creating and respecting what they did. That's why I said with Noah Forty, I really started watching what he was doing with Drake. And I was like, okay, this guy's, this guy's doing things tech wise that like, I can't do, that's really hard to do. So now I respect what he does, you know? Um, so yeah. Uh, and, and growing up, I love DJ premier. I love Pete rock, you know, the, the boom bap was, is always going to go down as, you know, music that's changed my life as well. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I kind of had this mix of, of beats and sounds that I really enjoyed. And I mentioned Jay Dilla earlier. Jay Dilla is the goat to me as well, you know? Legendary, legendary. Yeah. Fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't know, Metro Boomin is actually from Missouri and yeah. uh, from St. Louis, but then he went to school at one of the, the, the HBCUs in yeah. Atlanta. And uh, I don't remember if he like, left the school or something but I know that he used to make drives back and forth from St. Louis to Atlanta when he started working yeah. with some artists down there and then obviously eventually popped off but yeah just just fun fact that you know any haters of hip-hop out there or any haters of producers just know that uh, Metro Boomin went to a HBCU so shut that yeah. shit yeah, um, yeah. He's, legit. <laughs> he's legit he's cool yeah. out here in the streets man facts um so good vibes over everything is producing and uh consulting correct is that the two yeah. avenues that you're you're exploring right now yeah correct yeah i mean it's a bit of management as well um you know i, I do manage dribble too much um when it comes to much of his uh you know brand handle life brand stuff um his uh video game uh partnerships as well and you know just other other uh you know things that we're we're trying to go and, and discover uh when it comes to like you said earlier um, getting business done and merging these different cultures and, and, and things together with what he's doing. So, um, yeah, man, I, I've been working with a few other artists as well uh, who are coming up. This kid, uh, White Sosa from uh, Memphis, who's doing, you know, some amazing things as well. So I'm, I'm working with him and his team there. Uh, as you just mentioned, um, management, some creative director, consulting, as well as um, social media stuff, sync licensing stuff, and then production. 
sick, sick. I love it. And um, <clears throat> just real quick, talk a little bit about CYN Gaming um, and your, your, your association with that and a yeah. little bit about the uh, big folks NBA 2K League. Yeah, so CYN Gaming um, is amazing. Um, you know, Nico Brim, um, you know, Christian Combs, uh, Kai Cash, all the guys over there from that camp, all amazing, really talented, creative kids. Um, you know, these guys are the next generation. You know, they're, they're, they have legendary people in their life. And so they're slowly but surely building their brand and uh, they're becoming, um, you know, people who we will be looking at in the next five, 10 years um, as some very talented individuals. But, you know, I was blessed enough to get in contact with Nico uh, and his team and um, help them sort of build like a, a gaming brand. Um, I think he's got some stuff dropping, um, a few projects. So he's been really focused on music. Um, but uh, uh, pre, like say 2019, um, pre-COVID, we'll just say, um, you know, he's really like, I want to get gaming. I want to get gaming. I want to get gaming going. So helped him sort of build a foundation to build a gaming team, a Twitch. Um, we ran a live stream um, charity event with him and some, some um, of his friends as well. Um, and yeah, you know, it, the, the great thing is we wanted to be able to bring people together who are of like minds, creative people and game together. And then also for a charitable cause, you know, donate to some people who are, are um, of need of that money. So um, it, it sort of uh, meets a bigger um, uh, goal than just gaming. Love it. Love it. Love it. And uh, so speaking of like gaming teams, we're starting and in, 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 uh, the merging of cultures. We uh, saw the past few days, Face uh, Clan signing Ben Simmons, uh, Bronny, Bronny yep. James yep. the other day. Just seen that, um, yeah. And, it, and it's just really cool to see like how huge gaming is becoming. If we look at revenue over the past few years, game the gaming industry is making more revenue each year than the NBA, than the NFL, than the NHL. And I think they were mentioning PGA combined. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So, so for individuals, like I know you already know this, but for individuals listening, if you can find a way to, if you're passionate about gaming, um, first and foremost, but if not, and you're just passionate about business, if you can find a way to associate yourself, get your, 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 you know, learn, research, uh, educate yourself about the gaming industry, I highly suggest it. I know I have people on here who listen for just my positivity. Some people listen yeah. for, for business. Some people listen to learn about new individuals. Um, but let's, let's not fail to mention how big gaming is right now and how big it will continue to grow over the next few years. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you're not seeing it, you're being blind. Open your eyes. Check it out. I'm not the hugest gamer, um, but I'm doing my best to learn about it. Um, so just, just a suggestion to my listeners. Yeah. And hey, here's another thing, right? Just go Google your favorite game and see how many copies it sold at $65 or $80 or $100. Just times that number up and then you tell me, is gaming profitable or not? You know what I'm saying? So, hey, these companies are making money, but uh, think about it like this, right? Like there's a, there's a rapper out there that's like, you know, got a decent following and he's like, man, I want to create a Twitch account. How do I do that? I don't have the time to do it. I don't want to take the time to do it this software is intimidating who can help me you could be that person you know what i'm saying if you just reach out to some of these guys like i said about the dj khaled moment if you just take that fan moment that that fan personality of yourself out for a second and you become the business you and then you just say hey i think i can show this guy how to use twitch then then 
you might be a part of their team. You might be now the gaming person, a part of that team, helping getting them their Twitch channel going, tournaments, uh, just playing with them online. Maybe you're helping build their gaming fan squad or something, right? Like, you, I think a lot of us take the simple things for granted um, because we just, we're, they're so easy for a lot of us to do, but we forget that people who are so busy, they just don't have the time to figure that stuff out. So, they, you know, there's some of these guys looking for people like that. And, and, if, and if they're not looking to like hire you straight up to do that, like you got to think about the same exact thing and think about what's already popping. What do you see on YouTube ads every day? Courses, webinars, yep. online courses. You may think it sounds dumb because you like, like Mike just said, you understand how to, you know, uh, live stream on Twitch or you understand how to build a, a gaming team or you understand these things, but a lot of people don't. So you create a little online course you put the right advertising behind it and you're providing enough value, there's another stream of income that you can make right there. And, and, you know, that's a way for you to work your way deeper into the industry. So, you know, there's so many ways to win nowadays, especially with the internet, with our iPhones, with our laptops, like we have so much access and to not take advantage and to not uh, explore different avenues that we weren't once aware of is just dumb. So <laughs> yeah. no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, thousand percent. Can you speak on your, uh, how you ended up on uh, complex conversations or I yep. forgot what they call it. Um, yep. And then uh, talk a little bit about that experience um, before we talk a little bit about um, some more business stuff and then we'll hop off. Yeah. You know, I know I'm taking a lot of your time right now. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you see, that's the one thing I, I love chatting. I love talking it up, chopping it up. So uh, no problems here, but yeah, man, um, again, complex, super big blessing. Um, you know, it was amazing to work with the whole complex team. I got to help uh, create a, uh, a limited custom line of clothing with um, the bait um, clothing company. And they're like a novelty, like, you know, they got like shoes, they got like um, limited edition toys, things of that nature, um, but got to create a clothing collab with them and 2K. Uh, and so for ComplexCon, uh, they covered the story. They covered how we came up with the design um, and, you know, just really why it was even there. And that was awesome. It, it was cool. It was a great, um, you know, opportunity for me to kind of learn more about the clothing world, even though I have a passion for it. You know, it's, there's always just stuff we don't know. So I got to develop more of a passion for that. And then also learning about um, what people like when it comes to these limited edition drops and things of that nature. So um, I got to get on uh, converse, uh, 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 complex conversations because of that initial uh, collaboration. And I believe it was the following year, that's when I got into complex conversations with the YBN crew and academics and, and um, Trick Daddy. And uh, it was great, man. It was awesome. You know, I mean, backstage, um, uh, uh, Corday was awesome. He was a really nice kid super, super intelligent, smart kid. You know, I mean, that guy's got a lot going for him. So that was awesome just to get to meet him more because you, you see these guys on TV, you see them on YouTube, you know, you don't actually know them, you know? Um, so it's awesome to actually talk to him a little bit more. Uh, Almighty Jay, su super funny, funniest guy ever. Always cracking jokes, always making sure the mood's light, always making sure everyone's having fun. Uh, really respect that about him. Um, uh, Namir's chill, super, super chill. So that was cool too. You know, he's just, he's like, he's re really curious about things, but like, he's just real chill about it. So he's not like, oh, you work in video games? How's it? You know, he's just like, oh, that's cool, bro. That's dope. You know, like he's real, real chill. 
Um, but yeah, it was great. It was great. Get up there on stage and, and talk about gaming with these guys. And I really wanted to get, you know, cause again, these are, these are younger artists, right? Uh, you know, I really wanted to get them to think about creating their own game and owning their own game, right? Because ownership is still a big deal. I think a lot of people are just discovering how ownership, uh, how big of a deal it is but I wanted them to sort of like the questions we were asking and the comments I was making, I wanted them to realize like, bro, you guys are making such great amount of money right now. You can invest in making your own video game. If you want it could be an iPhone game. It could be something for iPad could be on Xbox, PlayStation or whatever. Um, but they have the following and they have money to at least explore that opportunity and own that game. Right. How many video games are owned by, you know, black people, <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So, that was kind of where, um, you know, I was heading with that whole convention and that whole conversation. So again, super blessed to be able to do that. And, um, you know, Trick Daddy was dope too. He, he was very much in the same thing about, you know, these young kids got to learn about ownership, man. They got to make, you know, they got to correct the mistakes. A lot of the, you know, uh, old heads, quote unquote, were making when it came to music. Um, so pay your taxes. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, man, it was dope. I, I appreciate it. I go back and do it again. Definitely. I was nervous as hell. Cause I had never been on a stage with, you know, the, the younger uh, guys when it came to music, um, and, you know, but the crowd wasn't that big. So I was like, you know what, man, let's just, we are all homies here. We're all gamers. We're all just having fun. Let's just, let's just chop it up. So it, it ended up going really well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, uh, the uh, about United Masters. So you were mentioning, um, wow. There was something that you mentioned that reminded me of them earlier, but just. It was probably uh, ownership, like owning. Uh, you yeah. Know, so, like, yeah. Yeah. Ownership. And then you were talking about, uh, or obviously, and then we were talking about music and all this. So anyways, it all integrates. Yeah, yeah. So um, can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts on what they've been doing? I don't know if you've been paying attention, but totally. I assume you have. Um, so tell me a little bit about your thoughts on United Masters and and. and you don't have to, but in comparison to the people like, uh, or like to Ditto or to, uh, um, shoot these other distribution companies that, yeah. that, that are popular. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, when United Masters was kind of first popping off, um, I actually saw the post that, uh, it was a social media post. I think that was like, uh, yo, they're signing a deal with the NBA. Right. And then, uh, academics, uh, signing a deal to be a curator for a playlist for them or something. Excuse me. And I was like, okay, you know, I think this is the the train to hop on real early before anybody else, just to see what I can learn from these guys and figure out what they got going on and, uh, you know, figure out what their ideas are for the future. So being at 2K at this point in time, I was like, let me just figure out, again, I, I'm obsessed about going on Twitter and figure out who the guys are to contact to talk about business. So let me just figure out who I should find, talk to, found a guy, uh, started talk, you know, chopping it up, talking about business. And I was like, hey, how can we get a collab with 2K and you guys? I mean, I see you guys are tied with the NBA. How can we make this happen? So uh, we talked for about three, four weeks, I think. And then uh, Adam Silver uh, and the NBA were like, yo, you guys should work with United Masters, right? To the, to the NBA 2K team as a whole. And so me and the guys at United Masters were kind of like, you know, the, the underlings, not the Steve Stouts, right? Uh, we were laughing because like we, we'd already had this conversation going. 
So uh, at this point in time, now Steve Stout gets involved and his job was easy, right? Because he's like, hey, like, I'm supposed to come and pitch to you guys to 2K. Uh, he was he came to our office. We got to sit down with him. I got to meet him, shake his hand. Great guy, super smart, has a million one stories, legendary. Um, and, you know, he basically was like, you know, this job, it's already done. You guys are already talking to my guys about working together. So, you know, let's make this happen. And to answer your question, I really think that their platform is, is like genius because what it's doing is it's teaching the young kids. Imagine if you just, you know, you're 12, right? You're 13 and you see NLE Choppa and you're like, bro, that could be me. You're like, yo, that can be me, right? I can make music. I can get hot off my music and I can go uh, put it on this platform and launch my music and become famous, right? And you're not necessarily thinking about ownership because you don't really know what that means at that age. But what this platform is doing is, is, is uh, teaching you, it's educating you on owning your music, what that actually means, how you get your music synced with TV and video games and, and movies and why that's a big market and how you can make a lot of money. So I like what they're doing because they're educating. It, it's a great business uh, platform for new artists, but they're also just, they're educating you. And I think that's the most valuable thing out of this whole uh, situation is that their their education uh, is 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 going to go over I think as one of the biggest things that they have to offer. Love it, I love it, I love it. There's so much gems, value, interesting stories, um, and, and and things to 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 delve into. So we're most definitely going to have to do a part two. Um, I was like in my head over here, I'm like, should I split this one into a part two and go for two hours? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> let me just let me just do a part two with him um, yeah, in, in, in the future. It. But um, let me just ask you some bonus questions. Uh, so number one um, is gonna you can answer whatever one you want to answer first. So. Number one, what's your appetite for risk? Um, how 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 hungry are you to like just take huge risks and just like do like or like jump off the the surfing board when you're not supposed to? You know what I'm saying? Um, and then, what would one piece of advice be for um, your grandkids if you had nothing else? You didn't have Instagram, you didn't have Twitter for them to look at, you didn't have an email or anything that they could look at. They only got this one piece of advice, like the hour before you passed away what would that be? So answer whatever one first. And then, um, and then we'll literally, I promise you listeners who've been staying and listening to this amazing conversation for over an hour now that we will wrap it up after this so you can go to sleep. I promise. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah. So I'll just start in the order you presented them, uh, the risk, right? So, uh, this is kind of a two answer answery thing here. Um, there was a version of me uh, like, let's just say the 1.0 version, right? That was like, risk, nah, I'm good. Like, let's stay away from that, right? Because it's scary. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, I could be successful, but I could also fail, right? There's all these things that's going through your mind and that you're feeling in your body. So risk is a, a, a really, it's a huge red, red flag for people. But I think if you're able to come up with the strategy, come up with the plan, Right. And you work towards that, that making that plan, <clears throat> making that plan a reality, then I think, you know, the risk is, is calculated, right? It's, it's less scary because you're actually thinking about what you want to do. So then it's really just making it happen. It's just pulling the trigger and then working your ass off to get to, you know, point that you want to get to. Right. So uh 2.0 version of me, I, I'm, I'm, I would say 75% more about risk than I was before. 
uh, and this is over the years time, because you got to think, right, uh, you know, a year ago, you know, I'm still in the 2K world, you know, I'm, you know, going in the work nine to five, right? So there's this security, but like now it's like, let's, let's try something new. Let's try something new today. Let's try something new. Didn't work. Okay, cool. Next thing. Didn't work. Okay, cool. Next thing. So uh, you learn real quickly once you start your own business, like you got to just take a bunch of risks. Um, but obviously they're planned, they're calculated and, and, you're, and you're, you have a backup plan for certain things. Um, so that's the answer to that question. Uh, and then if I were to tell my grandkids or even my younger self something, uh, I would just say, keep, keep working just keep working, stay, you know, be persistent because, you know, at a young age, you know, I think many of us can agree uh, we're doing something and we very quickly, we try something new. It doesn't work out. And we're like, man, throw the whole thing away. Like I'm good on this. You know, am I ever going to make it? Am I ever going to be successful? Am I ever going to, you know, have this, am I ever going to have that? And the question is, uh, or the answer is yes, you, you, you can and will have this right? Success, but you got to really work at it and you got to really uh, bust your ass, you know, in a sense. So um, that's what I would say. I would just say uh, persistence, man. Just be persistence and, and, uh, persistent and keep working. Man, thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just you see my favorite thing is hopping on with guests that not only have great stories, but are also like really good at, um, communicating you know just getting what they have to say across um you know saying things you know in an efficient manner that are easy to understand because um you know when you have guests on the pod when you have guests on the podcast of course the whole goal is to have great conversation and, and, and really help whoever's listening and really um you know provide whether it's entertainment or edutainment to 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 the listener and when when somebody's not the greatest at talking or communicating, it makes that really challenging. So first, I want to congratulate you on all the great work you've done over the past years from 18 till now, um, hustling, staying committed to, to, to you know, what you're passionate about. And even when things got difficult, when things got tedious, you, you stayed true to self and what you knew you were good at and you kept working through it. Um, I want to congratulate you for, for, you know, transitioning and pivoting into different industries um, and doing it well, I want to congratulate you on just being a good human and putting good content out there on um, Instagram. And I think, I think that, you know, you're, you're still young and you have a lot more huge, huge successes that are coming soon. And I don't just say that to say that, but I see it, you know, I see it from the outside. I appreciate you, brother, so, for real, man. It means um, a lot. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, do not forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that does help the episode grow. It does help the podcast grow and it just helps. Um, also, please don't forget to follow our guy, Mike Howard. Go ahead and shout out your IG handle one more time for him. Yeah, if you can follow me on IG at GVE underscore Mike, that's G ve underscore mike hit me uh dm me whatever ask me questions if you want to know more uh i'm always down to chat but yeah hit me up guys i appreciate you and, and we're not done plugging mike so take that mute back off boy <laughs> we're not done plugging all right what's your uh what's your website and then please remind the listeners or somebody who just somehow ended up only listening to this part of the episode um what you do and how you can help them and where they can uh reach out or find you on your website and then uh and then we'll cut it. <laughs> Let's get it yeah no no problem man um yo you can find me on my website which is just gvemike.com uh you'll see that i have beats up there available for purchase um you can email me um if you'd like special production just for you exclusive 
Um, I also, you know, help consult um, with marketing, um, licensing, and when it comes to uh, artists and, and musicians. I'm to work, even if you're a producer and you're like, hey, I need some knowledge or I want to work on a collab or whatever, like, you know, hit me up, always down to work. Um, you know, again, I appreciate this podcast, appreciate the opportunity, but yeah, hit me up on um, IG, GBE underscore Mike, and on my website, GBEMike.com. Yes, sir. All right, listeners, thank you for tapping in. It is the Culture Talks, and this is C-I-double-Z-Y, you dig? Salud!